Welcome to Infinite Fellowship Ministries where we train believers to know and to pursue God's perfect will so as to yield fruit for His kingdom. Here is a sermon by Rev. Richard Mwendo. Welcome to service today. I want to begin at a very interesting point. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Now we're going to read this specific scripture in the Amplified and all other scriptures I will read in the New Living Translation. Uh, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ. For it is God's power working unto salvation. Mm, mm, mm. And what is salvation? It is for deliverance from eternal death. To everyone. You see, this power works to everyone who believes And what type of belief should these people have? It is a belief with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance. If you go to Twitter today and listen to what is being attacked in the body of Christ, it is these things. The church is being ridiculed for having a personal trust The church is being ridiculed for having a confident surrender. The church is being ridiculed for having a firm reliance. For we war not against flesh or blood. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. Not a righteousness that you should work for. But a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed. And it is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith. Are we together? This righteousness has to spring from faith. And what is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That is why in a parachurch ministry that I belong to, the teacher of the word that day was highlighting that in this day and age that we live in, you have to make, amongst the many important decisions you make, you have to be very keen on who teaches the word of God to you. Because the teacher, where you go and feed, the teacher of God's word is very important in your life. It is where your faith is built. It is where your faith springs forth. In fact, the teacher of the word at that parachurch ministry was highlighting that that decision is just as important, just second to marriage. You choose the person who you're going to partner with in as far as the work of destiny is concerned. And then second to that, you choose the person that teaches the word of God to you. You see, it has to spring forth from faith. And then it has to lead to faith. You see, in Galatians chapter 3, we learn that believers have a very uh, innate ability to start from faith, but be perfected in their own works. But you have to understand 
that not only should it spring from faith, it has to lead to faith. Meaning that there should be a testimony of glory unto glory from one spiritual blessing unto another. Faith into faith. You see, as believers, we only think that the primal entry-level faith is all that we need. But the scripture highlights to us that beyond that primal entry-level faith, there is a higher faith that every believer should enter into because it is disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. The first shall live references the entry point. The second shall live references the growing into. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a time where persecution is right. You cannot be comfortable in your Sunday experience and encounter and call yourself a believer. The first thing that I expect from the church is that they should not be ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel and not their works is God's power working unto salvation. And then I also expect that believers lead their lives with a personal trust, a confident surrender, and a firm reliance in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The challenge of the world that we live in today is that people who are active in social media think that they have a voice. Everyone with a Twitter account, everyone with a handle that is followed by many, think that what they say and the platform that they have is a place for them to share vitriol on matters that they lack authority to speak on. I'd like to submit to you is very few people speaking concerning the church are speaking from the place of authority. Authority is God-given. And believers are being carried by every wind of doctrine. Being stirred up and, and swayed from one revelation and doctrine to another. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Because this is not new to our time and age. You see, this letter was from Paul. And he identified himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Why did he identify himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ? It's because the church was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Special messenger. And he was appointed and commanded. Or in NLT it says it was, he was appointed by the command of God our Savior and Jesus Christ who gives us hope. He is writing to Timothy, his true son in the faith. And he's wishing that the may God, the Father, Christ Jesus our Lord, give him grace, mercy, and peace. 
I want us to start from verse 3. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations. And what are these speculations? These speculations are myths and endless genealogies that stir up a certain level of insight that lacks the conviction in Christ Jesus. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Understand in Romans we were taught that the life we are meant to lead is one that is articulated by the faith we have in God. You see, the purpose of my instruction, Paul says, is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. When we were speaking last Sunday, we were highlighting that the evidence of God's rest and way in a believer's life is the fruit of the Spirit. And it is summed up in love. And it has several other expressions, but love is the summary. Whereas the object and the purpose of our instruction and charge is love. Paul was highlighting that anything that does not bear the fruit of love is something in error. You see, this love should spring from a pure heart and a good and clear conscience, and a sincere and faint faith. Believers, our ability to belong in the body is by the testimony of love, by our pure heart, that broken and contrite heart, which becomes the dwelling place of God, according to Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15. A good and clear conscience because we live circumspectively, redeeming the times for the days are evil. And a sincere and unfeigned faith. But some people, Paul instructs us and tells us, have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. So meaningless Arguments in social media did not just exist in our time and age. They existed in the time that Paul was instructing Timothy. Ask yourself, have you been caught up in meaningless arguments and discussions in social media? Ask, ask your neighbor, get life feedback. Have you been caught up in meaningless arguments and discussions? Purposeless talk in social media. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. You see, we know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless 
and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father and mother or commit other murders. For the law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are self-slave traders. These are kidnappers in our day and age. Liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching. You see, whenever we focus on what is being said, we give it life, we give it an opportunity to multiply in our lives. But what we should focus on is in the testimony of Christ, his accomplishments in our life, and not in the many things that are being said out there concerning the church by people who lack authority. You see, this wholesome teaching comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed Lord. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. We were also promised in Thessalonians that more and more people who masquerade to have the spirit of God would come in the end times. And they would try to identify themselves with the church of Jesus Christ. But I am confident now more than ever that by the unity of the church in love, we can put a stop to this. Ladies and gentlemen, the false must come forth for the true to shine forth. Darkness has never overwhelmed the light. It is important for me to say this even before I begin service because some of you have received of the diet of the vitriol in social media, so much so that you don't believe that there is truth. Understand that because 10 mad men are shouting in the market do not mean that the thousands of sane people are also mad. When Elijah thought that he was the only prophet who had not knelt down to Baal, the Spirit of God was able to remind him and say, there are many or more who have not knelt down. That is the reality of God's move in every generation. You cannot defend the church. The church needs no defense. You cannot defend God. He needs no defense. What you should focus on is what Paul indicates in Romans 1. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'd also like to say that this ministry is a registered ministry. It was registered in 2010. This ministry exists in government. Every instrument that comes from this ministry is acknowledged by virtue of that initial registration of the society. We went through the requisite vetting process by government and we are accountable to our seniors in the faith. We do not exist outside of accountability. Our bishop has a bishop that he submits to. 
And that bishop has another bishop that he submits to. We are accountable spiritually and also in as far as government procedures are concerned. We file every requisite document at Sharia House. Our file is up to date. If the government has any issue with us, they will know where to find us because we are up to date. I say this because again, some of us are very easily caught up with every wind of doctrine. This is a Christ-centered and a Bible-preaching church. Do not read what some people who claim to have knowledge concerning this ministry say. And I only say this because some of you have fed of these things. If you had not fed of these things, I would not need to say this. This is a Christ-centered and a Bible-preaching church. We are accountable to our leaders in the faith. We are accountable to the government. And we are accountable, most importantly, to God. We are not a maverick ministry. We are established by the grace of Jesus Christ. I want us to understand the importance of having an active prayer altar. Because honestly, if there were active prayer altars, I would not need to address this at this point. It is important for you to read the word of God, to pray and get these answers for yourself actively at home. So that by the time I come here, I come to minister based on what the Spirit of God has told me. You must come alive, Infinite Fellowship Ministries. Awaken from your slumber. Awaken from your slumber. I do not need to do this, this address. But because of certain hindrances by virtue of our diet... You know, I'll have to go back to the first uh, preaching I did because, honestly, I, we should not be here. I spoke concerning diet. Some of you have physical diets, but you lack the diligence to know what you need to consume through your eye gate, through your ear gate. Wake up, church. Go back to your love, your initial love. There is no lack of sermons preached that you can listen to in the course of the week. There is no deficiency in people you can meet and discuss the word of God. There is no deficiency of people that you can join online forums. I see Tongues Tuesdays usually put up. You can join and you can pray in the Holy Ghost. Focus on what is noble. Focus on what is good. So that you may grow. I will now begin speaking concerning the conclusion of the Four Faces series. You see, we had begun earlier on highlighting how the Israelites in the context 
of Ezekiel were people who were captived. They were, they were, they were in captivity, rather. And these people who were in captivity had certain similarities with how we lead our lives today. We had um, a session last week, Sunday, where we were drawing parallels within their captivity and our captivity. The liberty that God had in mind and the liberty that we are meant to access in Christ Jesus. And by consequence of that backdrop, we now enter the realm of spiritual movement and transport. In the office of man, you are never designed to be stagnant. You see, by the time captivity had manifested physically, it is because the believers were captive already in the realms of the spirit. And it's because of the spiritual captivity that the physical captivity came forth so that the carnal man can be broken and the spirit man can be released by the grace of Jesus Christ. And you have to understand that a believer should be as the wind. Sons of the spirit are meant to be like the wind. We are always meant to be in a state of movement, moving from one spiritual level to another, moving from one glory to another. We were never meant to stay stagnant. Stagnant things that don't have any inlets or outlets are known as swamps. A place of breeding of disease and malaria and mosquitoes. A place where crocodiles and other vermin are able to find home. But you, the believer, were always meant to be in a state of spiritual movement. We say the move of God. Why do we say the move of God? It is because he is always in a constant state of progression. That is why in God, there is always a revelation that you can aspire to. There is always a higher truth that you can grow into. There is always a faith you can attain into. Because as we read in Romans chapter 1, we grow from the springing point forth of faith and into the place that we are meant to be per time and per season. Spiritual movement. You see, many of us have dead prayer altars just because we do not comprehend the concept of spiritual movement. But you see, the office of man was designed with spiritual movement in mind. And as we read Ezekiel chapter 1 and we discuss some of the symbolism, especially in the wings and the legs, we will understand some of the concepts of spiritual movements that are meant to give you life and life in abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, starting with the four wings, you see the spiritual creatures, the cherubs that represented the office of man. These spiritual creatures had four wings. You see, this is the revelation of divine transportation in time, space, and realms. You see, our transportation is not just in time and space, but it is also in the spirit. Where from one glory to another, you are able to ascend and break forth from limitation. Where the faith that you use to come to service today is not the faith that you leave service today with. Spiritual movement. You are intended to always move in the spirit. You are never meant to live a life of stagnation. You see, divine transportation was designed for the office of man. Because man was not designed in restriction. Man was not designed in restriction. In Genesis chapter 1. 
Verse 26 to 28, we understand that man was designed and his very intrinsic DNA is the abundance of Christ. For his divine power, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You see, Christ did not do anything new. He had already done it. So when he created you, when he designed you, when he formed you, understand that you had all things that pertain to life and godliness. Your DNA is abundance. Then why do you live in limitation? It's because you do not understand spiritual movements. You see, divine transportation was meant to unlock the reality of the afterglow within which man was always meant to find and tabernacle himself in. You see, the afterglow that Moses beheld was all the accomplishments of Christ concerning the human race thus far. And in seeing what Christ had done for the human race thus far, Moses was able to read into the symbols of what he had done for the human race to see what he was to do. That is why that when Moses was writing about Abraham, he was not just writing about the father of faith, but he was starting to write about the reality of Psalms chapter 110, about the reality of the crucifixion. He was seeing a father and a son at a place, at an altar, and where the son was the sacrifice and the father was the one who offered it. When Moses was writing from the afterglow of the realms of the spirit, understand that Moses was not just seeing into the symbols, but he was seeing into the reality. Because Moses was also acquainted with spiritual movement. His acquaintance with spiritual movement was so much so that his physical body became a treasured component in the realms of the spirit. There was a court case where the body of Moses was in pursuit by the kingdom of darkness. How much did Moses move? How much was he caught up in the reality of divine movement and transportation? So much so that what he had left behind was of value. Divine transportation, divine movement. Man was not created for restriction. He fell into restriction. He fell into limitation. But that was not our original design. We were designed for movement. We were designed for life. We were not designed to come to church as if our prayer altars have had no effect and refreshing in us. Spiritual movement. You see, it is from the afterglow of God's complete work and design that man is designed to operate in the genetic composition of the one who is before all things. The accomplishments of God are in God. And that is why when you read concerning the law in, in 1 Timothy, you have to understand that the discussion concerning the law was for those that have embraced restriction. For those that have embraced the nature that limits them. In Romans chapter 8, this nature is called the law of, of, the, of, 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 of sin and death. 
You are not designed for restriction. We have to understand that divine transportation can only occur when the grace of Christ propels you into the perfection of God's will. You see, as believers, we need to move from the place of good into the place of acceptable. But we should not find a home in the acceptable. But we need to trust for a grace-driven transportation into the perfect. The Lord has spoken time and time again concerning this church. And when he speaks concerning infamy, I am also convinced it also touches other branches of the church in Kenya. We have settled and we have stopped moving in the spirit. We have settled and we have stopped moving in the spirit. You have to understand that divine transportation was designed for the office of man. You see, it is through the office of man and the eagle face that we understand that soaring is a consequence of dwelling. If you do not dwell, you cannot soar. You see, the eagle face speaks concerning through the gospel of John of the divinity of Jesus Christ. And how the fullness of the Godhead was within him. And as he was revealing the office of man, man was meant to dwell in God and God in him. John chapter 17. Excuse me. Soaring is a consequence of dwelling. You cannot soar unless God lives in you. Because the realms of the spirit from where eagles soar and glide by the move of the Holy Ghost can only come by an empowerment of God. See, an eagle does not flap its, its wings endlessly. An eagle does not have a KPI of established matters that they have done in this life. An eagle does not have a history of good works. An eagle only bears the wingspan needed to soar at levels where other birds cannot soar. You cannot soar unless God lives in you because grace has made it possible through humility and a repentant heart that is a broken and contrite heart for God to dwell in his temple. It is by grace that we host the habitation of God in us. You see, through the face of the eagle, we understand that the media gate was designed to herd the minds of sheep and lambs into the movement from limitation to glory. But instead of that, the media gate, because it has sons in the kingdom of darkness, instead had the minds of sheep and lambs from the movement from limitation into further limitation. From restriction to further restriction. 
from one deception to another. It is currently being used to hold captive the minds of generations. As such, there are certain aspects of divine movement and transport that Ezekiel chapter 1 in the revelation of the office of man has revealed to us to change our perspective of a family or a prayer altar. A family or a prayer altar that lacks divine movement and transport is dead and cannot inspire transformation. Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what is the state of your family and prayer altar? Get a response. Get a response. Zadaba seta mamole zanakati paselala. Jote pasita papala maseta patika rose zalika. What is the state of your family and prayer altar? You see, through the vision that was revealed in Ezekiel, straight legs represent unrepentant movements by the movement of the Holy Ghost. You see, joints allow us to make quick changes in direction. But when your leg is straight, you have to understand that once you realize your path is this, there is no turning back. It is the revelation of Asahel that he did not turn to the right, not to the left. You see, by the move of the Holy Ghost, we can be focused into moving from one level to another without any repentance. We do not entertain anything that is not of the Spirit of God and we reject everything that does not bear the resemblance of Christ Jesus. It is through the joint that an unplanned change in direction can happen. But you see, straight legs means that there is no need to repent. Because you are being carried along in the realm of perfect will from one level of glory to another. Because then as far as worship is concerned, you should not consider what is happening around you. All you need to do is be focused to be carried along from one level to another. You see, as you are being led by the move of the Holy Ghost, you are established in the truth. And the more you are established in the truth, God's standard for movement will never be less than perfect. So no need for change. You see, what we call change here on earth is not the change that was being highlighted by the straight legs. The straight legs can only move quickly in any direction that the Spirit of God desires. That is not change. That is purpose. Change is that state of always repenting. Not sure that this is where you need to be, that this is what you need to do. God's perfect intention for man is them to move only by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Other possibilities only exist in lower levels of God's will. In the perfect will, the movement, the breath, the wisdom, the direction is the Spirit of God. That is why even in today's baby dedication we learned 
that we need to instruct the young ones in the way that they should go. The same mandate that caused Abraham to be selected is the same mandate that we are meant to live our lives in. You see, you have to ask yourself each and every day, what is the testimony of my life? Is it movement in the perfect will? Straight legs, no repentance, quick movement in any direction? Is it movement in the permissible will? Where you keep changing direction based on what suits you? Or is it movement in goodwill? Where direction is not important as long as they have vibes and inshallah. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8, we learn, Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. We learn that rebellion is creating other diets in God's plenty. Ask your neighbor and get feedback. What are you eating? What are you eating? What are you eating? Son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not join them in their rebellion. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. God's intentionality is so great that wherever he plants you, he expects you to eat the diet within the stream. Any contrary reality is rebellion in his sight. And diet is not just restricting your consumption to God's word in the sermons and devotions of your mother church, but through the comprehension of the fatherhood that allows you to digest any reality of truth revealed for the church. You see, diet is not just about only listening to infamous sermons. It is understanding the stream through which infamy was revealed so that you can digest what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. If you don't understand the stream, you won't be able to know how to digest. And if you cannot digest you won't be able to receive. And if you cannot receive, you are in rebellion, just like Ezekiel was warned. Just like natural fatherhood, there is an interpretation of life that is as a result of a home-bred way of thinking. In life today, people don't just speak because they have a mouth. They speak because of certain indications of fatherhood or lack thereof. They have either been taught how to perceive the world, how to interact the world, and how to relate with the world, or they lack the capacity to move in that space. You see, spiritual fatherhood, as revealed in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 14 to 16, is an expectation of imitation. This person carries himself like this. 
They must come from here. And it's not an imitation in all things. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. You have to have something within you that can be attributed to where you are planted. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, get life feedback. Do you have something that is attributed to where you are planted? Or are you a spiritual bastard? What do you have that can only be said comes from where you're planted? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you don't have this understanding, you are fighting the entire principle of Father. You cannot profess to reap or inherit the benefits of spiritual fatherhood without bearing a burden for imitation in Christ for where you're planted. If you bear no resemblance to the house of your planting, where shall you inherit? You see, when we went to stand with our bishop, when his late mom passed on. People were wondering, why isn't Dan being introduced as a member of the family? Why isn't Dan being revealed as one of the many in the family? Because there was a certain bearance of, 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 of similarity between him and his spiritual father. So much so it has manifested in the physical. God is interesting, eh? That is why he's the firstborn in our stream. I know it's a very strange thing to take note of, but what else can you attribute it to? Where, if I look at you today, do you belong to this house? Only by name or attendance? Or do you bear an imitation to the stream of this house? Are you just in infamy because we had to go to church and I am a believer? Or are you here because you are in a stream and you are planted and you are an imitator of the revelations of Christ that this altar is a custodian to? You see, your ability to digest sermons and devotions from other branches of the body of Christ should emanate from your fruit in how you have digested sermons and devotions within your mother church. If you have no fruit, if you have no evidence of bearing fruit to what is pre preached in this altar, how can you tell me that you will bear fruit for something in another altar. No one has restricted you from listening to other sermons. All that we are requesting is that you have the ability to imitate the realities of Christ that this altar is a custodian to. If you begin yourself and think, that you can digest things outside without first bearing fruit in your house. 
You are like a child that dresses like the offspring of another family, hoping that you will disown your father and inherit from that family. You can only inherit and succeed where you're planted. May we repent of rebellion. You see, the soul of a cow's foot is further explained in Leviticus 11 verse 4 to 6, showing us that a cloven hoof has the ability to separate what looks like truth from the real truth. Through burden, the consecrations of man will determine how he is to lead his life. The foundation of diligent service is in the ability to separate appearances from reality. You see, diligent service as revealed in the face of the ox is not just in what appears, but where it is founded and the fruit of its foundation. We have to ask ourselves, what do we bear? What is our testimony? Are we able to separate the appearance from the real truth, from the reality? In the course of dispensing diligent service in the marketplace, many things can appear to come from God, but it is through burden that one will be able to know what comes from God and what appears to come from God. What do you have a burden for? I'm not talking about your ambition. I'm talking about burden. What do you have a burden for? When you wake up in the morning, has God placed a burden in your life? Or are you the one burdening God? Are you a son? Or are you a child, an infant, a babe? Do you have the capacity to receive of the burden of God? Or do you lack the capacity to discern the burden of God? Your movement in the marketplace should be guided by a discerning eye that can clearly see God's perfect will from what is permissible and from what is good. It is the ox face that was designed for the office of man in holiness for divine burden to partner with the provision of God to fulfill his perfect will. The sole of the calf's foot. Legs that shone like burnished bronze. You see, these legs are the testimony of a walk that has been sanded down by trials. Paul himself used to testify of his trials. Turn to your neighbor and get life feedback. Your walk, what testimony does it hold? Does it hold the testimony of good vibes and inshallah? Have your feet have your legs been sanded down until they are sparkling like burnished bronze? Get light feedback. Some people are thanking God they have no neighbor. <laughs> we are living in the last days. 
We are living in the last days. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And what else? The word of your testimony. What is your testimony? Your legs, your ability to advance, not only in the spirit, but also in the natural, have to be the testimony of what you have endured. What have you endured for God? Not for your own desires, not for your own ambition. What have you endured for God? What have you endured for God? You see, you should have a testimony of how you live your life through the trials and the difficulties. So much so that that testimony becomes the light that shines to exalt Christ. And if he be exalted, he will draw all men to himself. You see, trials and temptations, as we learn in the book of James, should polish our walk through their difficulty, through their testings, through their temptations. So much so that by the time you come forth, you come forth perfect and mature, not lacking in anything. What is your testimony? From where are you speaking from? You see, this testimony should always, as we read in Romans, start from faith and progress into faith. Because there are some testimonies that start in faith, but are perfected in works. That is where falsehood comes into play. Is the glory of that testimony faith or works? It should start from faith and progress into faith. You see, in, when it begins with faith, it has to be tested. And when it is tested, it will ensure maturity. And in maturity, you will gain a higher perspective and wisdom that will lead you into faith. Zanda kasela bazita bahar. Zende kesela mosoto porosi bisila. The burden, let me share something, Bishop Hashem. A burden is a divine weight of power that is brooding in the face of responsibility. A burden is a divine desire that propels you to have passion for the weight of responsibility for the things of God. Do your legs carry the burden of God? Or is the only weight in your life that your legs support your ambition and desire? When you lead your life, when you wake up and you lead your life, do you live knowing that if I don't do this, no one else shall? You see, that's what responsibility is. When you see a gap in any context, you are meant to design and understand that your discernment imputes upon you the ability to address it. But in this church, I have seen with great sorrow 
that people cast a blind eye to what they design in the church. They say that this shall be handled by so and so. We lack the burden of God. We think that Deacon One is the only one who can address some things. I will have you know that that is a falsity. If you have seen it, you will be required to give an account for it in the white throne judgment. God does not waste revelation. And the church is a place of wasted revelations. We see problems and we cast a blind eye to them, saying that this problem can only be addressed by Evans because he's the only one who interprets tongues. You are a fool. Burdens. We have leaders running on E and congregants that are completely obese in the realms of the spirit because they lack the context to digest what they have been fed. Burdens. Do you think that by casting a blind eye, you have saved yourself? You have judged yourself. What have you designed and ignored concerning the burden of the Holy Ghost? Not only in this church, but in the church of Kenya. Do you think that by discussing the failures of branches of the church, you have grown in the spirit? You are a fool. What you see as a failure requires you to arise as a believer to the place of covering. And you cover through prayer and much supplication. If you see the weakness of a brother, do you think discussing it will make you more spiritual? No! Every discussion should be laced by the conviction of the Holy Ghost, leading you with sorrow for sin and the redemption through Christ Jesus, such that you pray and traverse for your brother, and they become saved by consequence of the work of God. Burdens. What is the testimony? We live such sheltered and self-centered lives that the discussion of burdens is, is not acceptable in our lives. Some of you are sinking into your seats and hoping that this ends because you have no intention of taking up the burden of God. We must repent. As a church, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. If, though, if there's no of testimony of overcoming in your life, it is definitely not because of the blood of the Lamb. It is because you have not led your life through the place of the perfecting of your faith so much so that you can have a word of testimony. The blood of the Lamb has never stopped overcoming. It has never stopped healing. It has never stopped delivering. It has never stopped leading people in the conviction for sin. The blood of the lamb is not frail. It is full of power. And I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. The blood of the lamb is perfect. Active, living. What fails is the word of our testimony. 
As I conclude, I want you to think deeply about your life. Several questions you would like to ask yourself are as follows. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Number two, do you have a personal trust, a confident surrender, and a firm reliance in Christ Jesus? Number three, do you spring from faith and lead into faith? Number four, what is your diet? Do you engage in meaningless conversation? Number five, is your prayer altar a place of stagnation? Or does it have the testimony of movement? Number six. Is your movement in a constant state of permissive or good? Or is it perfect without repentance? Number seven. What is your diet? Do you digest where you are planted? Or are you a bastard that dresses themselves up like the offspring of another father? hoping to disown their humble father. Number eight, are you able to separate what looks like from the truth from the real truth? Number nine, what is your testimony? Number ten, finally, have you overcome by the blood of the Lamb? Help me welcome Pastor Alex. Thank you for listening to this audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and share with a friend.